Welcome. You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's great to see you today. We're so glad you're here, whether in the sanctuary or online. I want you to know that last Sunday night, the session, which is the kind of board of directors, the leaders of a local congregation, the Presbyterian tradition, the elders gathered and voted to approve our reopening plan. You can see all the details about it on the church website. We're looking to get back and to be back together in person and doing the ministry God calls us to. I haven't made a big deal about it, but I do want you to know that on Saturday mornings here at the church, we are hosting the Roswell Farmer's Market outside here. It's really fantastic. If you haven't come and checked it out, please do. Um, there's great stuff. It's a great time for the community. And I want you to know that when you give uh, of your resources, of your tithes and offerings that go to turn on the lights, to pay for the cracks to be fixed, to pay for the grounds to be cleaned, that is ministry. We are using our physical plan and our facilities to uh, serve our community, to gather people together. And that's important. And I want you to know that is really valued, not just by our congregation, but our broader community. Well, I don't know if any of you um, watch the show on ESPN. It's called Pardon the Interruption, and it's kind of a debate show. And at the end of the show, they have kind of what they call, I forget what they call it, but it's like a fact check time where somebody basically tells them all of the details and inaccuracies that they just gave over the last half hour. And I want you to know we have some fact checkers in the RPC congregation. And it's a spiritual gift. And so, <laughs> and so I just want to clarify with you about our flower guild and flower ministry. These flowers are not delivered. Okay? Our flower guild goes and buys the flowers wholesale. They're very thrifty folks. They bring them, and then they build these beautiful bouquets and arrange them for our worship services. And then the Flower Power Ministry takes them, breaks them out into individual bouquets and takes them out and delivers them to folks. And I wanted you to know that they are being thrifty and trying to save us and do the most excellent ministry in a cost-effective way. And I th think that's something we all value very much, and I wanted to make sure we knew that. And uh, I did not want to be inaccurate about their ministry, but I also want you to know they are looking for helpers if you want to get involved. Um, it's a cool ministry. Well, today we're kicking off our sermon series for the summer, The Incredibles of Faith. And when it comes to the summer, the last few years, I've liked to give an opportunity to the children's uh, staff say, what should we do as a congregation, kind of congregation-wide, as a sermon series for the summer? Something that not just the adults can study, but the young people can as well. And we can all be unified as we journey through the summer. And so we're looking at kind of these uh, great folks of faith in the Bible who demonstrate uh, faith in God, faithful living. And today we're going to look at the story of Noah, okay, the story of Noah and his ark and the flood. And that's told in Genesis uh, 6 through 8. I'm not going to have time to read all three chapters, but I would encourage you later today, if you have a chance, to go and read them. Uh, I'm going to read uh, a passage from chapter 7 and then a passage from chapter 8, and hopefully you'll get a flavor of that story. 
Listen now for the word of the Lord. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came on the earth. And Noah with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of the heavens were open. The rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah with his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons entered the ark. They and every wild animal of every kind and all domestic animals of every kind and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and every bird of every kind, every bird, every winged creature, they went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God had commanded him and the Lord shut him in. The flood continued 40 days on the earth, and the waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters swelled and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. And now in Genesis 8. Then God said to Noah, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you, of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, and every animal, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out of the ark by families. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the the pleasing odor, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of humankind, for the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth. Nor will I ever again destroy every living creature as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this great passage from Holy Scripture. We ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that you might teach us from this remote, somewhat strange story that happened so long ago. Lord, that now the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts might be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If the flood is coming, make sure your boat floats. Someone recently told me the story of a friend of his who was obsessed with sailboats. They were friends in college. And this friend was obsessed with sailboats. He loved to ride and sail in his friend's sailboats. He rented sailboats, but he always wanted his own sailboat. And so finally he saved up enough money, he searched, 
and searched, and finally he found the sailboat of his dreams. He bought the sailboat and was absolutely thrilled. And then my friend and this guy, they went and picked up the boat, and they found the closest inlet. They backed the sailboat up into the water. They pushed off, and there it was. They got into the boat, and they began to feel an uneasy sensation. They went down below deck and began to notice water coming into the boat. And my friend turns to his friend and said, you did check to make sure the boat floats, right? And panic-stricken fear crosses his face, and he says, no. (laughs) My friend was blown away. The guy was speechless. He was so excited about getting his dream sailboat, he forgot to check to see if the boat floats. I wonder how many people are building their lives in such a way to make sure their boat floats. When the rains of life begin to fall, when the troubles, waters of the flood begin to rise, when we really don't want to sink, is our boat going to float? Noah constructed the ark exactly as God commanded him three times in our passage. It mentions Noah did as God commanded him. Everything about his own, his family, and the animals' life depended on him following the exact details of, that God had given him to build the ark. Now, God give, gave Noah plenty of time to build it. He must have looked kind of crazy there in the desert constructing an ark, a large boat in the middle of the desert. There wasn't any rain. There hadn't been for some time. And yet God told him to build an ark. I wonder if Noah was listening to that old country band, Blackhawk. I can't see a single storm cloud in the sky, but I sure can smell the rain. Noah has to trust God. And he does exactly as God has commanded him. Rain is coming. You're going to need a boat, and you're going to need a boat that floats. Scholars tell us there's archaeological evidence of a great flood about 2900 BCE. We actually have a number of different documents that are extra-biblical that report on the flood. One of the most famous was discovered in the 19th century in Britain. There was a British Museum there that had a bunch of crates that had been brought over from an archaeological dig in the Middle East. One of the scholars was going through and came across the 11th tablet that included the Gilgamesh epic. It tells the story of a great flood and one man who was saved. It's interesting, though, is there's at least three kind of distinct extra-biblical accounts of the flood. And it's interesting as you look at these and then you look at the biblical account to tell where they differ. 
as they tell this story of the great flood. The extra-biblical accounts, they say the flood is judgment. But listen to what it's a judgment for. It's a judgment of human overpopulation. It's as if the gods are worried that human beings are becoming too numerous. They're scared. They're on the run and they want to punish humans for overpopulation. But do you know why the flood comes according to the book of Genesis? It says it's because of human evil, human sin. It says people are disobeying God. And who's the only one who's the hero in the story? The one who is willing to step out in faith and obey God. Genesis interprets the flood as judgment upon human sin. Genesis 6.6 tells us, let me read it to you. And the Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. It's a very interesting depiction of God grieving cut to the core. Why? Because the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. God has created a beautiful creation. Wants peace on the earth. Love. And look what they've made of it. It's full of pain and agony and violence. Genesis says that human beings are punished because of evil. It says human beings, all of their thoughts are evil. They've chosen to stay in slavery to sin rather than step into the vocation that God has called them to to take care of creation. And so they sin. St. Augustine in the 4th century gave one of what I think is one of the most profound theological insights born out of this passage. He said this, Sin contains the seed of its own punishment. Sin contains the seed of its own punishment. See, in Scripture, God's judgment and God's punishment is never arbitrary. It's a consequence of human sin. In many ways, you can see human sin and judgment as two sides of the same coin. God grieves because of their sin. Because he knows he's hardwired the universe to be so you reap what you sow. In Hebrew, the Hebrew word for evil is ra. Ra, it's a great word. Because in Hebrew, it has both moral and aesthetic qualities. So, When you see something that's evil, it's not just bad or having gone wrong. It's also ugly. It's been disfigured. And so to to do evil is to disfigure the beauty of creation. So when the writer of Genesis says that the earth was corrupt in God's sight, it's not just bad, it's ugly. Sin distorts and destroys God's creation. And so when God sends the flood, it's almost as if God is bringing about its natural conclusion. That which is destroyed will soon be self-destroyed. Humans destroy all the time the very things that they are relying on. 
Consider the, the town that dumps toxic waste into its water supply. There's a number of movies out with this kind of theme. The prophet comes and says, God will judge you. Do not dump waste into the water. Folks say, what does he know? They continue to do it. And eventually what will happen? You'll have an unhealthy population. That which you really rely on will be gone. That's the nature of sin. Sin contains the seed of its own punishment. A number of years ago, I was at the doctor. Jeff, your cholesterol, cholesterol is too high. You need to lay off the fries and cheeseburgers. Oh, what do you know, doc? You know, I, Jeff, you continue to have a high cholesterol diet. You will not get where you want to go. This is true about so many things in life. Adultery. Adultery isn't just bad, but it, it kills the very thing that you care about, your marriage commitment with your partner. Or if you gossip, don't be surprised when you no longer have friends. Or if you lie all the time, guess what? People will stop believing you. God has created the grain of the universe. And if you go against the grain, you will get splinters. C.S. Lewis famously said of this principle in his fantastic, really my favorite book on the theme of heaven and hell, The Great Divorce, it's called. He says this, There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, Thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek find. Those who knock, it is open. In the New Testament, there's only one time that Jesus refers to Noah and the flood. It's in the context of the final judgment, actually very similar to our conversation about the book of Revelation. Jesus is talking about the final judgment in Matthew 24, and he says this, About that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. This is why we didn't spend a lot of time trying to read the stars and figure out the Bible code when Jesus was coming back, because no one knows. But what does Jesus say? But, for as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus says, when we read the story of Noah and the flood, we should see it as a warning. A warning to wake up. Live your life in such a way that the flood could come at any time. So make sure your boat floats. Do it today, not tomorrow. About a month ago, a month and a half ago, we had some terrible storms that came through the area. One night was terrible, and I barely got any sleep. And the next morning, I come down to our kitchen, standing in front of our oven, and I look above, and I see 
a discolored spot on our ceiling. I tried to look away quickly. <laughs> block it from, I don't know if you guys ever know, block it from my mind. Act like it's not there. A couple days later, another storm comes through. Stay up all night worrying. Come downstairs, standing in front of the oven. Look up. Don't look again. There's another discolored mark on the ceiling. Again, I try to block it from my mind. It doesn't exist. It's not there. My friend Eddie comes over for dinner. He had recently had to replace the roof on his house. And he looks up on the ceiling. He says, huh. Not dealing with that won't make it any cheaper. <laughs> Next day, call the roof guy. <laughs> Let's just tell you. It was expensive as it is, so I worry about how much it would have got. Build a life that won't sink. Don't wait for later. Do it today. Make sure your boat will float in practical ways. This might mean tell the people that you love, you love them. I can't tell you how many people tell me a father, a parent, somebody has never told them that they're loved. If you're spending all your time acquiring stuff, caring about this world, Remember, you can't take it with you. Care about the things that last, that you value. Quit living against the grain of the universe. Live a beautiful life. Tell the truth. Be generous. Run from cynicism. Become encouraging to others. Live a life full of beauty. Because if you don't, the rains of life will eventually fall, and they will fall. The question is, will your boat float? And Jesus is saying, learn from Noah who was ready. Who was ready when the storm came. In many ways, I think that is one of the reasons Jesus came to save us in this life. To show us the path. To prepare us. To build a life that can survive the torrential storms of life. To make sure that our boat will float when the rains come. See, there are really two ways to approach this phenomenon. The first is we can live in fear. The fear of the coming of the rains. It's funny, I, this part of the sermon I really hadn't thought about until last night. My wife threw a, um, a bridal shower for her best friend. And she was over and she doesn't live here. And so when she was visiting, she says, you know, Jeff, are you going to tell the billboard story? I was like, what? And she's like, well, it's the story you always tell whenever I'm there. And for some reason, I've always told it whenever she comes to church. She's not here today, so I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and it happened a number of years ago. I was driving to Athens. Somebody had given me tickets to go see the Georgia Bulldogs play a football game. And I was going with a friend, a guy actually, who's in a doctoral program, who's now a professor at Columbia Seminary. He was in the passenger seat, and we're driving. And you know, uh, when traffic, trying to go to Athens, gets all congested, and it's in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic, and you're just sitting there, and just you don't know what to do, so you, you end up looking around. Well, we looked around, and there was a large billboard over to the right. And it's one of these billboards that quotes God. I don't know if you've seen these. And it says... Don't make me come down there. God. I felt, 
You know, I read that, I felt a little guilty. <laughs> felt a little embarrassment, a little shame. But then my friend sitting in the passenger seat turns to look at me and he says, you know what's so funny? I said, what? He said, he already did. Oh, that puts a little new spin on things, doesn't it? That God came in Jesus Christ not to bring judgment, not to condemn, but to save. To wake us up. To build a life that lasts, that matters. Don't make me come down there. He already did. Put that up there. We got good news for you. It's waiting. And so I couldn't help but remember. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell the story that Jesus is with his 12 disciples and he needs to rest. He says, let's take a boat to the other side of the lake. And so they all crash into the boat, begin to sail across the lake, and Jesus goes to the stern of the boat and falls asleep. A storm comes, as it's known to do there, and suddenly the wind is whipping up Waves are coming into the boat. It's beginning to sink. And the disciples say, we are perishing. And they're frightened. One of them runs over and wakes Jesus up. He says, do you not care? We're perishing here. And so Jesus stands up in the boat in the middle of the storm and says, peace, be still. The winds die down. The storm stops. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and asks them two questions. Why are you afraid and have you still no faith? Why are you afraid and have you still no faith? I'm with you. I'm in the boat with you. Yes, we will go through storms, but you will not be alone. We're going to make it to the other side, but you got to remember that I'm in there with you. The boat will float. I believe that's what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. He's got into the boat of our lives and promises to never leave us or forsake us and to go with us, and that is the good news of the gospel. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that because you are in our boat, our boat floats. Pray that we might trust you all the ways in our lives as the storms come and go. We thank you for what you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. been listening to the RPC Sermons podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.